0: You're listening to Dirty Feet, a dance podcast. I'm Allison Elizabeth Burns. To get us started, I would ask you to please introduce yourself and give us some context for who you are as it pertains to the Ottawa
1: dance scene. My name is Yvonne Coots and um, I'm a choreographer in Ottawa. Um, I moved here back in the 1980s, the late 1980s, to go to summer school with Le Group Dance Lab, which was Le Groupe de la Place Royale at the beginning. Um, I was a dancer in Ottawa for over 10 years, and uh, a choreographer independently um, the entire time, parallel to that always thought of myself as a choreographer first, and um, in the past 10 years have been the Artistic Director of Ottawa Dance Directive.
2: So I'm Sylvie Desrosiers, and I'm I'm Director of the Contemporary Dance Program at the School of Dance, and uh, I guess I'm also uh, President of uh, Ottawa Dance Directive, Chair of the Board. And
0: And Artistic Director of and Dorsale also dance.
2: yeah and also artistic director of Dorsal Dance exactly Dorsal Dance tries to uh, um, uh, foster a little bit the development of uh, uh, dancers that um, kind of started their career uh, here in Ottawa so my name is Frederic Pelletier and I'm from uh,
3: Montreal um, yeah I choose the, the school of dance the the school of dance in Ottawa to uh, study there uh, con- contemporary dance and so I joined the, the school to like train and uh, like perform and um, uh, I just I just love there and like I, I, I wanted to move from Montreal and like choose a, a school like far away and just um, learn some new stuff and then I joined the, the school of dance for three years and I I just graduated this summer and yeah, so now I'm a a professional dancer in contemporary dance.
4: My name is Elizabeth Amos-Stevenson, my pronouns are she, her and Elle and um, I'm an Ottawa-based dance artist and choreographer who uh, was born here and studied here, studied elsewhere as well and came back to continue working. Um, within the Ottawa community, I am a dance educator, coordinator, um, guest artist, and rehearsal assistant with Propeller Dance, which is an integrated dance company here in Ottawa. And during non-COVID times, I usually dance also for a company out of Shankman Center called Terreuse Dance, uh, a Franco-Ontarian young audience company. And I create my own
0: work under the name Take Space. Great. I'm actually going to take a step backwards now and just ask you to describe all the activities that encompass the Ottawa Dance Directive and that, that you have a space, that you have a performance company, that you have guest choreographers, and that you also present work of, of other choreographers and in, in the series dance or as you refer to.
1: Yes. Yeah, so part of um, Ottawa Dance Directive's mandate is that we have four... Streams of programming. One is a resident company, and we call that Company Odd. The second, or parallel to that, is um, a presentation series, professional presentation series, Series Dance 10, SD 10. And that series presents artists from all over Canada and international artists in co presentation with the National Arts Centre. And then we have residencies, so hosting residencies for local artists, for provincial, national, international, and then resource sharing. So making the studios available and accessible to as many artists and people, recreational groups as we can.
0: Yeah, and to give some context for anyone outside of the Ottawa dance industry, at least in contemporary dance, this, this diversity of activities that the Ottawa Dance Directive um, puts on and serves really, really bolsters the community here and the industry here.
1: Yes, well, and trying... Um, I mean, it might be important to, to say that, you know, over the time that those spaces have been for dance in Ottawa. So, early in the Arts Court years, the dance center that was there was Le Group Dance Lab, and that was one of the anchor organizations for this hub of arts in Ottawa. Um, but at that time, the spaces were quite reserved for the company. And the company had a a lot of activity, a lot lot of shows, like every three weeks there were shows, it was ongoing. So when Odd took over those spaces, we wanted to try and um, open the space so that more people had access and could share in those resources.
0: So we're going back to January, 2020, and I'd like to just do this exercise of imagining the 2020 that you had planned with your programming for the Ottawa Dance Directive, and your, your creative phases and and all of that.
1: Can you kind of describe what you had in store for 2020 at that stage? Well, back in uh, January 2020, we were um, preparing for the fall of 2020, which would have been Odd's 10th anniversary. So we're in Odd's 10th anniversary season right now. And we were planning, we were in creation phase for several um, choreographers, so that we could premiere those works as part of the celebration year. So coming in the spring of that year, we had... Well, I just finished my second creation phase on the last day when the lockdown happened, March 13th. And then we had Ted Robinson coming in to do a phase two. And we had Jocelyn Todd coming back in to do a phase two. Um Hers was going into production in the spring. And um, we had one more... One more SD10 as well. So it was a big creation time in the spring. And then uh, moving into the summer and to the fall, the fall would have been the premiere of this, which we were hoping was a big show, a mixed program for Ted and I to kick off the 10th anniversary. And then a series of events this whole year that were was really highlighting the 10th anniversary year.
2: With Dorsal Dance, what happened is the year, the previous year, we had, had just premiered a piece with five dancers. So last year, I was kind of getting ready to talk to some uh, presenters and see if there was uh, presenting possibilities for that piece. 2020, if, in the case of the program, was the year where we do the 50 dancer project which is a project we do with the graduates of the School of Toronto Dance Theatre and the, the graduates of the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Contemporary Dancer School and Nicole uh, de danse contemporaine of Montreal and l'École de danse de Québec. So usually our graduates are brought together in a show um, that was actually supposed to happen in Toronto in June, where all the dancers were working with Marc Boisvin on piece that would be presented at that time. That was a big part of what we were working on, especially with the graduating class. And then for sure, there was guest choreographers still coming. There was, um, uh, you know, a show in May with uh, the works of, um, of all the guest choreographers of the season.
0: I want to start back in January of 2020. So this is the end now of your third year. Can you tell me a bit about uh, what your life looks like as a as a near graduate student uh, of the school, um, studying, making plans for the future? What were mm-hmm. you expecting for 2020? Oh my god, that's a good question. Um, I think we, uh, me and my friends there,
3: we just thought thought about workshops, uh, maybe, uh, train in LA, uh, go like out there, um, make some new contacts and stuff. But like, yeah, we, we didn't expect the, the world to be in the pandemic into, to 2020. So, um, yeah, um, it was super like, I, I, I wanted to be ready when I, I was graduating to just go out there and meet new people and yeah put my name on the map <laughs> so yeah I wanted to travel a bit and um, yeah work with choreographers from Ottawa I, I had some project there too um, yeah but I I didn't have a, a specific plan I just I I just uh, knew that I, I wanted to go um, uh, in different countries and stuff so to learn new uh, material new people new choreography choreographer to put my name on, on the map because it's a uh, dance it's a, a small world so when you go up there and you meet new people like your circle just come like grow a bit more and you you know more people and you have more opportunity opportunities sorry yeah so um yeah that was my plan
4: <laughs> going back to january um i was working all over the city taking public transport everywhere for teaching and rehearsals and training um and in January I was preparing for a GTA school tour with Terra so I was in Orleans um two to three times a week for full days working on that um it was a piece called Les Bâtons by Annick Bouvrette um I was also getting ready to support Propeller on their tour to Toronto, which took place in March. So um, we were rehearsing out of GCTC, which is in Westboro. So I was in that area a lot. Um, I was teaching in Vanier, in Pinecrest, in the Glebe, kind of all over the place. I was training with... school of dance in the mornings and their professional program taking that class Um, and sort of any other pop-up gigs or or projects that I had were definitely not taking place in my home they were taking place outside of my home in the city it was a bit mayhem actually like January February for me Uh, not a lot of time off but yeah I'd say lots of displacing From here to there, uh, getting from different activities each day, Uh, lots of lots of time in the studio at that point.
0: I want you now to take me to March 2020, because, of course, we all have our experience of discovering the pandemic and, and learning about it. And starting to try and understand what it means for us. And you had quite a unique experience in March, uh, as things were kind of falling apart. Do you want to describe to us where you were and what was going on? Sure. Uh, the last week of February and the
4: first week of March, I was in and out of the GTA with Terre Luz Dance, and I remember seeing, like, in the the hotels we stayed at, seeing on the. TV screens, oh, there's like a case in Toronto, there's another case in Toronto. And none of us were panicking at that point. We were just like, thank goodness we don't live in Toronto. <laughs> um, and we kept doing our tours. Uh, at that point, we were more worried about the school strikes because we were doing school tours. So we were very worried about that. And it was, we were looking at the news and getting updates every day about that issue as it stood. And then the second week of March uh, was when I headed to Toronto um, with Propeller. And at the very beginning, there was... This, so this is like the week leading up to March 15th. And um, there was some worry when we were heading there, but it wasn't extreme worry. And then everything escalated day by day while we were there. Um, Toronto was obviously farther along than we were. So I was going to grocery stores or walking on the street and it was just like a ghost town. The grocery stores were out of everything. There were huge lineups. Like It was sort of a a prelude to what would happen in like two more days in Ottawa, I guess you could say. Um, The city was shutting down. We weren't even sure if we were going to perform. We were one of the last shows performing because we performed up to March 14th, actually, the Saturday was our last performance and it was held. We reduced the audience capacity and we were already in a big group and they hadn't recommended masks yet. So we didn't have any like social distancing in place because it wasn't at that point yet. um, Even though we could see something very scary was happening. So while this was happening, uh, while we were finishing this tour, I was getting emails from my other contracts saying, we're taking a break, we're taking a break. Most of those came in, like, Thursday, Friday, and then I got home on the 15th, the day that everything officially sort of started to shut down, I guess you could say. Like, I took the Via Rail train home, and then, bam, it was like, it's here, the pandemic is here, and that was the last time I ended up performing on stage because someone got injured, Um, so that was the last time I was on a stage was March 14th, and that was the last time I've done any Um, significant in-person work.
0: (laughs) Can you tell me what you expected from the rest of the year at that point, at that stage?
4: (sighs) I was under the impression that we would perhaps be back by the fall. Well, that's not true. Right at the beginning, I was like, two weeks, we can do that. And I I wasn't, I just, I had no idea like anyone else, but I was always moving my date farther and farther away. So I think once I had somewhat of a picture, I was like, maybe summer. And then I was like, definitely fall. And then since the fall, I just stopped making predictions for myself. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of funny because different people updated me, like different places I work, some were like very big on updating. We think we're going to come back now. Others just kind of kept um, their space while they figured things out. Um, So it's sort of, we were all guessing, I guess, myself included.
3: In March. So I know that at some point we couldn't go to the school. Um, So I just moved uh, to my parents. Um, just for, I think it was two weeks that the school just like closed for, uh, for the COVID and, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't expected that I, like, I didn't had the chance to come back to the school since, uh, the, those two weeks. So I just left the school and I was like, oh, okay, uh. Um, I'm just going home for two weeks, just a little break, and then boom, pandemic. So I was like, "Oh my god, I I didn't have the chance to go at the school uh, since then." So it was pretty uh, pretty uh, weird to just leave the school like that and never come back. So yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this is the kind of school where you're there every day like you're there monday to friday Mm -hmm. you're spending massive amounts of time there in in classes learning and training and uh doing creative process yeah
3: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah monday to friday you're there and you you give your 100 percent on the the dance
0: floor (laughs) did you have like a locker full of clothes that got left behind Um, Yeah, maybe some stuff uh, is still there, but like, yeah, it wasn't that important. So it's okay. (laughs) And so then what happened to to training at home? Like, how did that work for you? Um, At first, I was going to the gym, so I was really like ready
3: to just keep my shape and stuff. But then the gyms, the gyms just started to close, and uh, now I just um, work from from home. So I'm training in the my parents' basement. So yeah, I'm. But I'm lucky because I have a lot of st- a, a lot of space here. So um, I'm yeah, I'm super lucky for that. Some people don't have many spaces or a lot of space to practice or just dance on their own and stuff or just train. So yeah, for that I was very lucky. Um, so yeah, I just uh, train uh, um, with some uh, online classes uh, with the school. Uh, like when the pandemic like, just arrived, we just uh, adapt with online online classes on Zooms, and uh, yeah, I just graduated uh, from that uh, from the Zoom.
2: So, uh, yeah, so we left for March break thinking we would come back. And then as March break started, then we got the news that we had to go and shut down. So I guess at first it was, well, in two weeks, it's going to be okay. We'll be able to come back. And then so at the program, we decided to maybe just take a break. And decided to finish the year a little bit later. But then eventually that plan didn't work out because then, you know, we had to come back to learn something and finish the year. So that's when uh, uh, after three weeks, then I decided I was redesigning the whole end of year. And everything was done online till the end of June. So by that time, the year was had to uh, expand. In-
1: yeah, I mean, so it was interesting because I was in rehearsal. So I'm the choreographer for the resident company. And we were finishing our two weeks second phase. And um, we could feel the news was coming over the whole two weeks that, you know, something was Gonna happen. And sure enough, on the final day of rehearsal, basically we finished the final run, videoed the final run, and then everybody was scooping up their belongings. And we thought, okay, we're going home for two weeks, grab all our stuff and just get the heck out of here and go home. Stay safe. Everybody, you know, but we wrapped up. But I really feel like all of us thought this is a short term, you know, two weeks, three weeks something like that. So that's what we prepared for initially. And then, of course, everybody knows what what happened. And and because we are in a larger arts facility, Arts Court as a um, city-run center had definite restrictions about access. And, um, you know, we just started to pivot and to, that's the word, I guess, right now, right? The pivot word which is nice for dance, because pivot is a nice movement. Um, and, yeah, we started to... I mean, I guess there's a hierarchy of things that happened. First of all, the artists that we were in contract with, we needed to make sure that they were um, compensated for lost wages and time. So we uh, we made sure that all of that happened right away, that people knew that if they had been... Um, you know even verbally contracted with us that we were committed to them their event would be postponed or rescheduled but it would not be canceled and that we would compensate them for a portion of their fees whether it was a written contract or not so that was number 1 on our list to make sure that artists were aware that we're there we're not abandoning you you know in this time um and then after that it went into the rescheduling and You know, I mean, we all kind of laugh uh, in the, in all of the different organizations about, okay, now which revision is this? (laughs) Because there's so many revisions that have happened. Um, So yeah, basically whatever events were happening in the spring, we started to defer them to the fall. And, and then of course you have to talk to all the different artists who were involved and just, it was a constant rescheduling of things that happened and then it went into, okay, so now what can we do to create an opportunity in the moment, though, and create work and continue creating with people? So we moved into a, uh, a virtual process for three weeks in June. Um, we did a Zoom collaboration with all of the people that had been contracted for the spring. We brought them all back together to do a three-week process called Take My Hand that we um, premiered on YouTube. And that was fun and, uh, and exciting to see everyone in all these different parts of the world, you know, being very resilient. And, um, and I think coming together like that was a great, uh, it, we all just felt like we needed that connection and, um, yeah. And then just, we kept moving forward with looking at how can we, how can we program For the future, keeping things in place that were supposed to be in place, adding to them the postponed things while also creating events that are in the current time and then managing the budget with that. Because that I think that's one of the biggest challenges right now is with everything, there's only so much budget. So if we create a whole bunch of programming in the present moment to do something online, then we're left with, we won't have enough for the extra that we're going to need in the next two years for all of that postponed programming. So it was all the management of those um, different elements, which must be similar similar in many sectors.
0: So can you describe a bit um, the pre-redesign and the post-redesign, like what was the, the kind of like immediate measures in place to adapt the program? And then what were the
2: kind of more thoughtful long-term measures put in place? Uh, well, first of all, one of the things that happened is because we had guests that are from, that are not from Ottawa, uh, we had to reorganize the guest and some of them were not ready to start creating online because that's not what the contract was that's not what what the experience was supposed to be so um i ended up working with more emerging chore- choreographers to finish the year because they they were already a little bit more in tune with trying to work vi- virtually or with uh, more new technologies, you know? So, um, so we ended up changing the programming so that the choreographers could work with the student online. And eventually they decided to create, um, two of them cre- created dance films and one of them created a Zoom event And then with Marc Boisvin also, at first, we let the whole thing go, thinking the project with the 50 dancers won't happen. And eventually, with thinking about it, Marc came back to us, the directors of the program, and said, we have to at least do one event. So we ended up doing a Zoom event with all the graduates, (laughs) with the 50 dancers. And that was quite exciting and let's say it brought in a, a whole new way of of visualizing dance i guess because in the 50 dancer project eventually what mark did was they had timers and they would do things at the same time that we wouldn't even see so he would say at 330 you all leave your room you'll all go outside, you will take a photograph of the house, then you will go in the street, you d- will do this version of the movement, then you will. So we knew the piece, but we weren't seeing it. So that was very interesting. And then by the end, they came back in the Zoom meeting, and then they performed another part of the piece and everything. So it was a, a quite surreal as an <laughs>
3: um we had some technical uh classes on zoom in the morning we have we had like the same schedule that we we could have if we were at the school so we just wake up the more in the morning open the the computer start the zoom class te- technical class first and then after we had some um, maybe pil- pilates or uh, maybe some uh, yoga and stuff, and then after it was like um, a four hours, um, a four hours block to work on a, um, a project with um, like the final project with a, a choreographer. It was Kenny that worked with us uh, for our last uh, choreography. If I say, um, yeah, so we just created a vir- virtual um, Zoom. A dance so we were just online and we um, create like a a piece on their com- on the, our computer so it was like a pattern walking stuff and uh, dancing there in the in the basement and uh, dancing outside and uh, like uh, it was online and everybody could watch so it, w- it looked like um a final product that we could make like that we made so it was kind of um nice to finish on on a good note with a good project like that so um, yeah it looks yeah it was fun it was fun
0: good yeah i, I just want to point out when you say technic um, you you talk uh, technical you're talking about technique you're talking about a dance class
2: mm-hmm. i think yeah, i think yeah. that
0: might be misinterpreted as like a, a mm-hmm. zoom class but it's not it's not at all that <laughs> it's you're you're taking dance class through <laughs> through oh, yeah. the computer yeah <laughs> yeah you're, you're learning the technique stuff. of dance <laughs> yeah um, mm-hmm. But about this this final project. So not only are you working, you're you're working as an interpreter, or as a dancer for this choreographer, and you're working uh, collaboratively with them. But then you're also having to think about um, the eye of the camera and and how that fits with all the other squares on the screen and and all that. So this is a bit of a like, could I say there's a learning curve there for the group in terms of mm-hmm. like switching gears from just learning one skill to learning several.
3: It, no, it was challenging. It was like you have to, to work on the, with a computer uh, just far away. You don't have the physical touch to work with someone else, to dance with someone else. Um, you just have some, some advice through the computer and you just have to apply it on your body. So if uh, in, th- in uh, um, dance classes we had some, uh, some advice to maybe uh, um, do a ser- certain moves, we just have to figure out on your home because you're alone at your house and you don't have like the teacher with you to help you. So it was kind of challenging, but um, we managed, yeah, we managed to to figure it out and to uh, success, succeed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so at some point during this time you're describing, you know, you, you, come up with different conclusions as the year progressed. At what point did you start adapting uh, your practice and how you are operating in your career?
4: Uh, Yeah, Uh, very early on, I did take the first week of the pandemic, I think, to just sleep, (laughs) mostly sleep and be quiet because it had such a whirlwind a couple months before that. And obviously, the pandemic was terrifying and Trying to sort of cope like everyone else. Um, I started training in my home probably the second, the second week of the pandemic because there was this huge onslaught of dance companies and individuals offering classes and training for free. Uh, at that point, I was in an, a smaller space than I'm in now, um, so it was kind of it was more challenging. But I was I was definitely training regularly. Uh, and I was watching a ton, a ton of dance performance because again, there was so much free content at that point. And uh, maybe, maybe a couple weeks or a few weeks into the pandemic, um, organizations started putting out calls for um, virtual opportunities. So I started applying for some virtual. Uh, ways to continue sharing my work and kind of giving myself um, goals, I guess, to work towards to keep my practice going. Um, Yeah. And a part of what enabled me to do that was the CERB because I was in a, a, a full panic at the beginning with as an independent contractor, all my work canceled, you know, no health insurance, no benefits, no EI. I was really not sure what I was going to do. But then CERB for the brief period that I got it allowed me to continue training at home and um, pursuing the opportunities that did present themselves.
0: Right. Yeah, that's the Canadian emergency response benefit. And that was vital, I think, to a lot of artists who are largely contract workers and, and uh, entrepreneurs. Can you describe a little bit better the uh, virtual opportunities that arose and how organizations were offering artists like you opportunities to continue to train and uh, present work and create work online?
4: Sure. Yeah. Uh, the f- Probably the first virtual opportunity um, that I took part in was the NAC's Canada Performs. Um, they put out a call to all sorts of different performing artists to share. I think it was about an hour's worth or more, um, of work that would be live streamed. So I created, um, a solo performance on myself, which I was going to say obviously, but on myself, um, set to the album Sketches of Spain by Miles Davis. And that was, yeah, my first experience um, doing that. I don't normally make a lot of work on myself anymore because I find it really difficult, but circumstances are circumstances. So, uh, that was really, that was really an amazing opportunity.
0: It was also like being presented by the National Art Center is <laughs> not an easy gig. So this was, this was creating also accessibility for artists who, who wouldn't necessarily have that avenue otherwise. Hey.
4: Absolutely, yeah it was it was a boon. it was like wow, this is this is something special. this is something stressful but very very special <laughs> uh, and it kind of created there was lots of well, the sense for me of wanting to not only stay in touch with the communities I was already a part of, but engage with other communities and I kind of felt that with the Canada performs because I watched a lot of the other artists and I Kind of got to see what was going on um, through Canada
0: in that way. Silver linings to the <laughs> pandemic situation, forcing everything online. Uh we might be uh remiss though to to skip some of the the downfalls of it as well. You you did say you, you've upgraded your space so that you have a little more room to move now that you're moving mostly from home. Um but tell us a bit about what that's like. Uh, you know, teaching from home, rehearsing from home, doing your entire creative practice, you know, especially in the wintertime within your within your the walls of your apartment
4: it's uh uh, well it's become the new normal obviously because it's it is what it is and it's the only way to practice right now for me and for many others um the teaching the teaching took a bit to adapt to and I'm still learning um but I find the teaching online less challenging or um more adaptable than say when i'm training online i feel the lack of space and i i i feel the lack of connection maybe more than i do in teaching i'm not sure why um i mean i just i just feel it every day i i miss being in the studio so much i miss the connection with the people um i think that people offering uh, training and and courses on a regular basis are doing a good job of adapting to people's spaces so that you're not feeling that that big void as much as you would if they weren't adapting it for your space.
0: To, to just paint a picture, like a dance class will often involve a lot of uh, locomotion or moving across the floor you know encouraging the, the the participants to actually eat the space take it up be bigger um, which can cause a problem if you if you have limited floor space to work with yes
4: I I have changed like the way my apartment is set up is it's set up for dance like I have a big Empty space in the middle of my living room, specifically so I can move as much as I can. Um, and I have a bar. Allison can see this, but I have a bar and like a foam roller and things set up on the side. I think if I, if I, some days I want to go extreme and get rid of my couch and get rid of my kitchen table (laughs) and just have the entire space, but then I'm like, oh, that's, that's a little too far.
0: So with this variety of, of options, let's say between film and um, video conference performance and streaming, and um, there there are logistical considerations that make you choose to to postpone or adapt one project or another. But there's also um, artistic considerations. How do you decide? which strings to pull on and which ones to hold off on?
1: Um, well, for Take My Hand, that was just a brand new idea. And, and you know, wanting to bring those artists together, who just a, a wonderful group of people, and um, and then just, you know, this being involved in the glitchy Zoom world at the beginning, having not known and discovering these were things that were going on with the background. If you, depending where you place the X and, and it just, it was really fun for me because it was a completely new format. I had no expectations of anything. So I kind of felt like I was back to being the 20 year old choreographer, just, um, you know, no expectations. And, and it was, that was a brand new experience on the other hand, what we um, did was we always went to the artist first and asked them what they would like to do. If in most cases, if the work was in a creation phase and supposed to go right into production and that's what was being postponed, many people wanted to postpone and keep it to be a live performance. Um, but we always gave it gave the option to the artist. And we tried to say that fairly early on. Would you like to try something else? Would you like to make this into a film or try a different online format? And then we try to roll with what their preference was. So what, what I'm also
0: hearing about the adaptations is that they're constantly changing and you're constantly revising and you're constantly shifting. I'm curious, though, if there's, there was a moment between, let's say, March and December where it became more evident how long term this issue was going to be and where there was any major overhaul adaptation done by the Ottawa Dance Directive?
1: Yes. I would say that, you know, I'm trying to remember what our deadline date was. You know, we, we would set these dates that would be by that time, if this isn't happening, we need to make another round of change. And I remember at, uh, gosh, I just wish I could remember what, what date that was. When you could feel several organizations, like at, um, we have tenants meetings at Arts Court, for example, and you could get the feeling like, okay, no, there is no programming going to happen in the fall. You know, the moment that that happened, that was a huge shift. And then everything from that time really got deferred almost an entire year away. And up until that point, I'd say up until about the summer, you know, just before the summer, maybe May, there was still that hope. Oh, maybe, no, maybe we can, we'll be able to do something, you know? And then, I don't know, there was just like, you could feel it. No, there's not. And we can't take the chance and we have to keep everybody safe. And then the big, like a really big change into shifting everything into the next season altogether happened. I'll just give you a small example of, um, in September of 2020, we were going to do this premiere, but we also had this new initiative called Open Source Studio that was for an emerging um, 10 emerging artists with um, Jocelyn Todd as a choreographer, and there was going to be a mentor. and So we, we augmented that. Jocelyn was still able to choreograph. We still had 10 emerging artists, but it was virtual, the creation time. And then we were going to go into, okay, well, we'll, we'll do the final process into a film again. And, um, the filming was to take place outside. The week before we were supposed to meet in Ottawa to do the filming with all these emerging artists, Quebec went into lockdown. Several of the people lived on the Quebec side. So then there was the discussion, we can't safely Bring them out of a red zone into our zone, and feel that that's you know okay. So then we we shifted again. Okay, Jocelyn will work with one person that's here in Ottawa that she's the closest in the bubble to, and she'll create a film on her. Okay, so now instead of that, we're going we book the Mayfair Theater, and we're going to present the film at the Mayfair with these two other films. We had a Laura Toller film. And we're going to show Take My Hand again. And a week, we just nicely sent all of the, um, communication stuff to the Mayfair. And that afternoon at one o'clock, they announced the Ottawa lockdown. So, and, and the Mayfair was booked during that 28 days. So all of that (laughs) again went to, um, you know, back into the little sack of items that are available for, And, um, you know, of course, there's all the footages there. Um, She still went ahead and, you know, created footage. And Jocelyn is working on this um, film that we will put up at some point. But, yeah, it's just another piece of the puzzle.
0: So in among these um, adaptations and these things that you you were letting go of, you're also adding more, more work for yourself, but adding programming too and uh, and things to support the community. There were these micro residencies that happened in studio that Elizabeth took advantage of. You have a virtual residency coming up. Can you speak a bit to these adaptations, these um, additional tools that you're providing the community?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that we really tried to uh, put in place quickly was when there was some of the restrictions lifted, and Arts Court opened, not to the general public, but to, we could open our studios to, you know, very strict guidelines. Um, We had that ready to go. And what we decided was, you know, like I said before, with resource sharing, we have evening renters and weekend renters from the recreational community. And then we have our Generally speaking, the professional community is there more in the daytime and then for performances. So we tried to make it that we got those studio spaces open as quickly as we could to artists that could be in residence and in creation. And um, I think, I can't remember what the capacity was. It was a small capacity. but And then we made those spaces available free of charge so that all the space was donated to all the artists because the financial situation right now for performing artists and contemporary dance in a region is devastating. So that was one of the things we tried to do was really make that happen as quickly as we could for as many people as we could. Um, and then we, we partnered with um, Elizabeth for the classes online and outside so that was a a great way to bring community people together and we had this incredible lineup of community teachers which was really fun and i think a lot of people enjoyed this variety of um it was just an opportunity to to experience all these different ways of practice.
0: Yeah. And like before there was snow on the ground, you you set up a speaker out and lands down and and the crew would dance outside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was it was great. We found a nice spot and, you know, we did it a little bit guerrilla style so that, you know, just went there and took over the little space. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) but no, and I think it it worked and it created that kind of uh, connection that people were were so missing, you know, Somewhere along the line, you can't help. I couldn't help but ask myself a little bit, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What are we doing it? Why are we doing it? And what is this asking from us this time? And that kind of became the departure point for the um, virtual residency that's starting on Monday. Um, Because I felt this. You know, now that's more of a personal thing is I felt this, this constant kind of urgency to get things done and to be visible and make sure that, oh, it doesn't disappear. And, you know, all of this pressure kind of in the virtual world and which, of course, is important. But as an artist, I realized I needed to start cultivating my attention and my concentration, and slowing down, and that I'm prepared that when we get back to creation again, I know what my intentions are, and that they're meaningful and purposeful, and that I've learned something from this time, and that it it's informed my practice, and it will hopefully inform others in their practice so that was a really for me that was a, a wonderful turning point in terms of when we talk about the silver lining and you know so much grief and sorrow in the world and trying to make shape of that and have it be substance for the next level of expression perhaps and how we respond to that and I don't know, something just kind of dropped a little bit in how I felt I wanted to move forward with programming. So, something
0: that happened that was really special. For me, even just watching was, uh, for a brief time there, there was the possibility of working in studio, and you took advantage of that to do a short residency at the Ottawa Dance Directive, and you live streamed the the outcome. And this was a piece that you'd um, adapt or you'd begun virtually exclusively with all of the performers in their own space, and this was the second iteration in studio together. Um, I found it very touching to see people sharing space <laughs> in a dance studio. Um, tell me what it was like on the inside. It was, it
4: also resonated for me a lot to, to be able to be in spatial communion, I guess you could call it, with others. Uh, I was actually very, um, I was very scared <laughs> to go into the studio not, not because of the safety measures. The safety measures were very clear and um, uh, very well put into place. It was more that uh, creating online was new for me and there were challenges, but it, it wasn't the same as going from being able to do whatever I want in a studio to going into a studio with all these parameters set uh, with, in terms of the, the relationships I could create in dance. So that was intimidating. The first maybe rehearsal or two, I was kind of feeling very stuck.
0: So we're t- just to be clear, we're talking about like staying six feet apart, not doing floor work, not touching each other, those kind of parameters?
4: Yes, yeah, yeah. And um, staying once you were in, so the studio was segregated into boxes and each person chose a box and they had to stay in that box the entire time so we couldn't play even with any kind of like very far shifting in space um and also with with the boxes set up the way we were we had to maintain a box between each box um uh, which was good which was important but just like I it made me consider things that I kind of take for granted <laughs> normally normally yeah or just I asked people to do things I used to ask people to do things without reflecting. I'd just be like, oh okay, like just go over there. Go into the corner of the studio and come back. Oh, you can't do that anymore. You can't go somewhere and come back. You can't oh just just, you know, embrace embrace each other using your legs or like you, you can't so many things are off the table that just seemed like like you didn't realize how limitless the choices were <laughs> until I mean, we were so fortunate to be in a studio, so it's not like it was a hardship, but, um, it ended up working out really well. I'm, I'm very happy with the work we made together. Um, I think it was, yeah, I think it was good work. I'm proud of what we did and the, the block eventually lifted and I could just kind of dive in, dive into the work and, uh, the connections with these spectacular artists and that ended up feeling really rewarding for, for the team, I think.
0: Okay. I want to circle back now to that idea. uh, You just threw out there that this fall has been less exciting. Is that, is that the right language for this
2: online? Uh, Yes. Well, the fall was, uh, because we were allowed to go back in the studio in the fall. We just had to respect dancing in a six foot square and Dancing with Mask. But we managed um, to have our classes happening, and we had some guest choreographers. Again, I had to go with local guest choreographers because we weren't uh, supposed or it wasn't suggested to go from regions to region. So I had um, Jane Mappin and uh, Yvonne Soglo and Alia and... um, Calder White, who was in Ottawa the whole fall. So they worked with the student, but all the, the choreographers are, the choreographies are done in squares. <laughs> so that was interesting, but you know, everybody managed to do something very unique anyway, you know? So I think the students were very happy to be back in the studio But then they, you know, you get tired a little bit of the whole protocol of the mask and everything. But I have nothing but good things to say about the students and how they handled all of this. Like from the spring with the graduating class that had no graduating. Well, you know, I never saw them live since last March. And it's my, you know, the graduating class. It's so uh, you, surreal, you know. So uh, you're, you're
0: proud of these students, and you're letting them out into the world without this formal ceremony. Yes,
2: exactly, exactly. And uh, so, you know, I can't wait for us to be able to actually have a meal together or something to celebrate their graduation. Um, But the way they handle that and how positive everybody was and the same with the whole fall, everybody was very, very positive. But since Christmas, now we're back online and there's a little bit less. um It's hard. It's just harder, you know, for everybody. Everybody is is trying to be super positive, but it's still a little bit harder, you know. They they feel the loneliness a little bit more this time.
0: Yeah, I think that's not unique to them.
2: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Uh, I wanted to talk about the specific challenge of training uh, younger or like the pre-professional students because if you're a a dancer who has quite a bit of experience and you're training at home by yourself. With a Zoom class or with a YouTube class or something like that, that's one thing. If you already know, uh, if you can correct yourself, if you can uh, understand your body in a certain way. As a younger dancer, as a newer dancer, what, I mean, obviously, that's going to be different. What are the challenges in trying to train younger dancers from a distance?
2: Well, the challenge is, is, is looking into all those little squares. <laughs> but uh, finally, what we did in the... <laughs> <laughs> what we did in the spring is I would teach, let's say I would teach a week of class, and then the following week, they would still have class all together, but I would do little coaching sessions in the afternoon where I would meet them like three or four at a time. And then I would go over some of the concept that we were working in class, and then I would coach them more uh, one-on-one so that they would get that kind of feedback, because what's happening is it's hard to give feedback on Zoom. But I think we're getting better at it also, because at first, at first, you don't know. You don't know how uh, you're you're talking by yourself when you're teaching because they all have to mute, so there you are, the teacher talking by yourself in front of a screen, and you don't know how much the students are absorbing or not. Eventually, they get used to learning on Zoom. So eventually, you can spend more time watching what they're doing and giving feedback. But then there's a whole protocol. You can't give the feedback at the same time as they're dancing with the music because then the music and the voice will interfere, you know, and things like that. But we develop uh, a way of working with the musician and the student um, that is uh, uh, still productive. But, uh, yeah, I would say that this time around, you can see that the teachers have learned how to give feedback on Zoom, which at first that was a, a whole new way of working <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I think I think what you've captured in in your response, which which may not be obvious, um, is is how personalized it is to teach at this level.
2: Well, yes, for sure, because uh, well, the thing is, it's you need to know what you have to work on, and you need to know. If you're progressing and you need to know, is that right? You know, because the teacher can talk and say, you have to do this and that. But as the dancer, when you're at that level, sometimes you'll have a, you'll, you'll question, is this the right thing or is this the right thing? And that's where they need the feedback. And that's why those uh, more private sessions were important to. To be able to answer all those questions, you know, that usually in a class, it's it's done in a more freeform way, exactly, you know.
0: Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense as an adaptation. Um, and I also want to talk about in this theme, the the idea of changing protocols and changing expectations over time, over the year. Uh, do you want to speak to that a little
2: bit? That's what's been hard is at first you think it's going to be for a few months. And even when we started in September, we we were thinking, oh, it's, it's, we're on the end of this, but, you know, just like the health specialist would say until there's a vaccine, you know, we're not done with wearing the mask and washing our hands and keeping the distance. And you know, you realize that in your everyday life, that might not have a big impact. You know, it, it has an impact, but when you're a choreographer and that one of the thing you like best is to put two bodies together, <laughs> well, it's kind of, uh, it's really hard to try to imagine uh, creating uh, differently, you know? Um, because as an artist... For example, for me, as an artist, what I like to speak about is the relationship between human beings. And it's hard to speak of that without touching. And that's, you know, and I think I can do it. I can do it. But at, I think at first we would think, oh, we'll wait till we can go back to that. But that might be still another year. We don't know.
3: When I graduated, maybe two months after, I just found a job because I was like, I need some money if I want to go maybe after the pandemic in LA or something. So I I really wanted to focus on making money to be ready when the pandemic will be over and then just go out there and do workshops and stuff. But then um, like, I had a contract with um, a, a, a dance company in, in Montreal So I was very lucky because right after I graduated, they they like uh, message me and uh, email me. So um, yeah, I was super lucky for that because uh, the contracts in dance in the pandemic are not like uh, really easy to find. Mm -hmm. If I say (laughs) yeah, it's super. um, It's it's tough. It's tough out there because you don't you cannot practice um, in studios if uh, the rules. of the, the san- sanitary rules or not apply or something. So yeah it's pretty it's pretty hard. But I was super lucky I found a, a job in dance, so a contract with them. Um, um, we were lucky we had the chance to work in person, but with mask on and uh, with the, a, a distance. So we, um, when we arrived at the studio, we had to change completely. So we had um, j- uh, clothes just for dance. So when you arrive, you just change completely. You have new clothes, you put a new mask on, and then we, we rehearse. And after, we we put back our old clothes, if I say, and then go back home. So yeah, we had the chance to work like together, but... Not with a uh, physical contact, mm-hmm. so that was uh, super fun. Um, we we were worki- working like uh, weeks, um, maybe one or two weeks um, a month. So now uh, were um, we we had a lockdown, like we, we had the the lockdown in uh, in uh, January. So we we couldn't. Um, uh, continue the, the 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 project but now uh because everything is gonna um open up uh we have the chance to um start again the the project and uh start right right away like next week so we could we we can go back in studios and and work on this <laughs> yeah so
0: Mm-hmm. And can I say, this is parts and labor dance that you're talking about yeah, having yeah, the contract yeah. with? Yeah. yeah. And that's, absolutely. that's also a group that, um, that came and choreographed at the school, right? Like you were mm-hmm. speaking earlier about how it's a small community, and, and the more you train and the more you work with different people, the you know the more your opportunities grow. So this is a, yeah. a beautiful example of that. Exactly. of Working with these choreographers <laughs> in school, and then having them this this team, Emily Gualtieri and David Toth, who make up Parts and Labor Dance, invite you into their process immediately as soon as you become available mm-hmm. as a professional dancer. <laughs> scoop you up.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah it was a uh, super exciting exciting sorry and very stressful at the same time because i'm just uh, new in the dance community uh, professional world so yeah but i was um, super lucky to have a contract right away after i graduated in in terms of pandemic stuff and too and uh, yeah
0: <laughs> wonderful what would you say you want to take with you forward into uh, you know a post hopefully soon post pandemic world uh, what practices or teachings from this past year would you want to hold on to?
1: Um. Well, I, you know, I'm. the truth is I'm very curious to see what arises in this next three weeks in this virtual um, residency that we have with this, some pretty incredible teachers that um, will be with us and artists and discussions and, and it's, it's about resiliency. Resiliency? Resilience? I'm not sure if resiliency is a word, sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe I think what I would say to that is that um, that our sense of purpose and intention is sincere in a way that, like, sincere in relationship to authentic for our own you know, that we hear again our own voices, maybe through quiet and through reflection and contemplation and and just dropping down, you know, finding the gap in that discursive, constant, ongoing chatter mind, you know, that we have. We all, I'm sure we all experience and at this time with so much alone time and kind of contained energy can make the hamster wheel really... Fly around um, to be able to just let that sift down, and then inform for me more profoundly what's vital, what's what what do we need to say now? You know, and it doesn't have to be serious. It could be full of joy. Maybe that's what we discover. So.
0: December and end of 2020 beginning of 2021 there's a vaccine there's talk of distribution does this change your plans
1: odds plans for the future no I think that what what we've got set in course right now that will be what happens it's just the timeline might change And I think the uncertainty is still very much there. And, you know, what's the Zen Buddhist, you know, false solidity? I mean, if ever there was a time that we can hold on to false solidity, (laughs) it's now, you know, like everything's uncertain, always. It's the one thing, right? So I think, no, I think we've got this, a certain order, a certain commitment to a wonderful group of artists and to the community at large, you know, like that's something too that when people call us or email us and, you know, we're trying the best that we can to see if we can accommodate or figure out or guide or send or, you know, make something happen. So I think that course is kind of, it's, it's there and now we just have to walk on it and it, it might take a little spoke, but we'll just keep going.
4: I think, like I mentioned earlier, I'm trying not to attach myself too closely to any, uh, timelines in that, in the sense that I'm not planning anything that would be completely impossible right now. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I, I am looking forward to eventually returning to in-person work, uh, but I'm not focusing on that um, right now, just because I don't want my plans to be completely derailed. So whatever I I have planned could, is either specifically, um, envisioned to be online or is envisioned in such a way that it could be done online in person or outdoors distanced. Um, so I've just sort of taken some of the equations that I would normally, play with or consider out of the picture like I'm not going to describe in an application uh, a giant group piece with um lots of intersecting group traveling I'm just not going to include anything like that in my work I because of um sort of uh, minimal resources as a an emerging independent artist I wasn't planning anything like that before anyways I wasn't planning 20 person work so it's not that hard to adapt uh, I would say um I've been trying to invest invest in more um, maybe reaching out to my community outreach I guess you could call it but more like making connections within my community and advocating for for dance or for the arts in different ways uh and that i will continue doing regardless of when the vaccines come or don't um i i've recently joined the arts network ottawa board um which has been which has been great um a way to to sort of have some representation for for dance and franco-ontarian artists and um you know, communicate our needs to the powers that be, um, and hopefully contribute to the, the infrastructure of, of the arts communities here. Uh, I also have very, very recently started, um, being involved with Dance Ontario as a, a co-coordinator for the Ottawa network with, um, Lola Ryan. So that's, that's a neat thing that, Um, hopefully we'll blossom more when we can do in-person things and sort of, once again, advocate for Ottawa, Ottawa Gatineau um, on a a sort of broader level. But I can still do that work right now from my home.
3: (laughs) My plans are still in my head. I still want to go out there and uh, meet new people, new choreographers and put my name on the map but um i think i just loved working in montreal like i just um i found the the dance community very nice and very uh welcoming too and i think i want to work um in montreal for a bit so i think i i i don't want to leave right away when the pandemic uh Will be over, so I think I'll just continue to work in Montreal a bit, and maybe um, when uh, uh, the COVID will be gone and every everything will be uh, will be fine. I think maybe then I I will uh, try to go maybe more in LA or maybe more in the New York, um, but from. Yeah, I think I think for now I'm in my head. It's just I'm working um, uh, full time with uh, Parts and Labor Dance, and uh, yeah, because it's um, we have some uh, some um, the project is is from now to uh, maybe July or uh, yeah, it's a long term contract. So for now, I'm just focusing on that, and I'm and I'm very happy <laughs> to that I found a, a project like that in the pandemic. Yeah, are
0: there any practices or things that you've discovered throughout this past year that that will stay as part of your practice or the way that you work your career moving forward? Any, like any silver linings from this pandemic that you could highlight? Yeah, I think it's in the same way that you you said, it's, uh, it's
3: the opportunities that you have to take dance classes online with uh, choreographers that are not... Uh, available like if there's not a pandemic so I think yeah I took uh, some classes like with uh, Apollonia Varasquez in uh, and uh, I took some classes with um, a big choreographer in LA Uh, also you you can you can work you work at home so it's just practice your mental skills like the the self uh self-training is hard so you have to focus Discipline. on like <laughs> what you want to do and be motivated and uh, yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so that's
3: a, a big part of it a uh, big uh, yeah <laughs>
0: yeah that's a good point too once mm-hmm. once you're out of school and the training's in your own hands like mm-hmm. self-discipline is a big part of of um staying up to snuff as a as a performer right yeah the, exactly right, to go yeah so, yeah, the pandemic is a real crash course in self-discipline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Well, I think what's, what's kind of funny is now I don't plan so much for the future. It's a little bit like, uh, uh, for example, the guest choreographers for this term. I have some of them that are really, really clearly happening and it's all set, but some of them, it's still, oh, well, for example, I, on my list of guests, I have Sarah Coffin from, uh, uh, Nova Scotia. So will she be able to come? Will we make that happen or wait is still something we're discussing. But now I'm, I, I guess I'm l- less nervous about the fact that things are not set in stone a year in advance. So I think what's changing is my way of dealing it with it, my way of dealing with that, maybe, maybe. And I think all the choreographers, because I'm talking to choreographers for next year and everything, and you can feel that people are not so uh, in a hurry to get everything set in stone because they know that it's very, very fluid still, you know. So I think maybe it's our approach that is changing because we know adaptation will be a key factor in everything.
0: Um something else that's been in the ether as a conversation about the future is is this idea of rebuilding and and starting um to implement changes in this new start uh that we want to see in the industry. Do you have visions for the future that you'd like to well, see? Well,
2: or- well, I th- I think um I think it's it, it in like in the industry just as in uh, our life right now for example what we were saying about you know we're asked to buy local you know with our what what we um uh, consume and and things but it's going to be the same with art I think I think local art will probably uh, uh become a little bit more important and relevant to uh, the public um I think also decentralization versus centralization, because in, the, in, in a way right now, the biggest cities are the ones that are most impacted. So, you know, for example, let's think a big thing, but you think of Broadway that's been black for almost a year now. Well, maybe some of those shows are, should be more everywhere in the world instead of just on Broadway, you know? It's that thing where maybe we need to have more theaters and things happening in smaller cities too, not just in the big centers. Maybe artists need to be more dispersed and not just in the big centers. So I think there's going to be a lot of uh, of, uh, thinking and things changing in that way. And, you know... Oh, I can live anywhere if I if I work from home. So, again, that might bring bring some decentralization, decentral- decentralization of where the public is. So, I think that's my key word. I think <laughs> the word
0: I can't say is
2: the key word
0: <laughs> decentralization. I'll add it to my list of pandemic key phrases. <laughs>
2: I think what I will remember of this though is is the whole uh, although although I think we've been separated a lot I think for example I still feel very very close with my students or with my dancers although we've been apart and sometimes even closer because um uh the emotions are very uh, real and deep and you you have to talk about it, so I think that's um, something important to remember is the how deep the relationship can be, even if you don't see each other, you know uh, on a physical level. and I feel like that with all of my students and dancers so that's what yeah, that's what I remember <laughs>
0: You've been listening to Dirty Feet. I'm Allison Elizabeth Burns. Music for Dirty Feet by Tristan Henry. Special thanks to Paula Flalo for ongoing support and guidance. And to past contributors for amassing an almost 200-episode archive. Available at DirtyFeetPodcast.com. Learn more about me at allisoneb.com. This episode was created thanks to my patrons. If you would like to support the future creation of podcasts and hear an extended version of this episode, visit patreon.com/alisoneb to learn more.